All right, welcome back, everybody, to Unquestionable with Calvin Smith, and I am your host, Calvin. I know I've been gone for about three or four months. I think September was the last time that I posted an episode. I believe I posted the, uh, yeah, it was the Schist Disc episode that I posted. Um, And then I had a big move. I ended up moving. I have my own house now, and I have a new recording space, a new microphone. I mean, I have new intro music, which you guys are going to get to uh, take a listen to at the end of this intro here before I get into today's first guest. But I thought that a good kind of uh, preamble to the season two premiere, I guess you could say, I'm calling this season two, even though I necessarily didn't even call season one, season one, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, we'll just call this season two. I feel like it's it's kind of a good fresh start. I've got a new area new equipment, new guests, and some returning guests. And I'm really excited to share those with you. But I thought what I should probably do kind of in this little intro coming back to the show is just kind of touch base with you guys as to if you're a new listener, who I am, what I do, yada, yada, yada. So that, you know, if you're a new listener, you you know what to expect coming into my show. Those who are returning, thanks. I really do appreciate it. I mean, it really means the world to me. But so let's get into it. Well, this is Unquestionable with Calvin Smith, and this is a show where me, I I typically call myself a skeptic, okay? And I'm in the search for truth, and I'm super happy to be back, and I know it's been a really long time, but, you know, we're going to dig deep into some of these subjects this season. It's going to get deep this this season. I'm really excited. And uh, anyways, I'm a musician, like I said, a skeptic, I'm atheist, and uh, an ancient history enthusiast, and I'm from Southeast Michigan. My original song, Empty Room, is available on all streaming platforms and on YouTube. So if you want to check out my music, uh, you can go check me out on Spotify, Apple Pot, or Apple Music, YouTube, all that jazz. I'm on all platforms, the same as my podcast is. And uh, I have more on the way, too. So hopefully in the next year or so, I can get an EP out there and you guys can listen to more of my own music. So all the links to that will be in the description of this podcast. So as far as the podcast goes, the reason why I made this podcast I want to know what people believe and why they believe that. And that's whether it's a God belief, belief in extraterrestrial intervention, or you just think you're being haunted by ghosts. I mean, I want to know, I want to get to the basis of why people have come to certain beliefs. And uh, other than that, I'm totally enthralled by the possibility and plausibility of the use of lost ancient high technology used by our ancestors all around the world. And uh, there's tons of evidence to support this, and that's basically what this show is. Is I want to break the stigma of humans predating what any textbook has said before and present the evidence available for such large and literally life-changing claims. Um, On top of that, I'm just a curious person. I like to know why people believe things. You know, religion has always been super interesting to me. I've read the Bible once and I'm currently, uh, I'm reading it a second time and I'm actually finishing up Genesis right now. I actually just started it because of the move. I haven't been able to read it too much, but hopefully I can get more into it. So yeah, that's basically the whole show. This whole show is breaking the stigma between not only questioning why people believe certain religious or non-religious beliefs, I'm making it okay to where you can question those because a lot of people get very aggressive when uh, and defensive when you question their beliefs. And I want to break that stigma and allow it to where it's okay to just say that you don't know or uh, to question those beliefs and that it's it's not harmful. It'll be okay. Um, so hopefully I can break that stigma with the help of this show. 
Okay, let's get into the guest for today. So my guest for today is the exact type of person that I like to talk to about these types of subjects. And I was actually joined by YouTuber, comedian, world traveler, and ancient civilization enthusiast, Johanna James. Yes, the Johanna James. We had such an amazing conversation. And honestly, I've wanted to have her on the show since this the show's birth back in March of 2021. I've wanted to have her on. And we've kind of been exchanging messages, you know, back and forth pretty much all year. Um, and it wasn't until now that we were able to, you know, get behind the microphone together. So it was a great time. I had an awesome conversation and I hope Johanna had a great time too. And maybe I can have her on again in the near future. So a little bit about Johanna. Johanna has spent the last few years of her YouTube career researching ancient sites around the world, and she, along with myself, believes the ancient past of humans surpasses the current common narrative of only 6,000 to 7,000 years. Now, Johanna and I both believe there is evidence of a lost technology that was used by ancient people to construct some of the most amazing megalithic and monolithic sites we know of today. Not to mention, Johanna is just hilarious. She's an, <laughs> she's an all-around great person, hilarious, and it really was a pleasure to talk to her and have her on the show. It really, it, it was truly a dream come true. Um, so all links to everything Johanna does will be in the description of the podcast. So please go check her out. Go give her a follow um, on social media. She's on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. She's there. Um, and then make sure to go subscribe to her YouTube channel as well, where she teaches you everything about ancient technology and comedy. It really was an awesome time having her on. But enough of the preamble. Let's get into my interview with the one and only Johanna James. All right, welcome everybody back to Unquestionable with Calvin Smith. I have a super special guest today. I have Miss Johanna James. Welcome, Johanna. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. If anything, I should be thanking you for coming on. Um, and uh, we've been in talks for some time this year, but you know, there's been some some scheduling stuff. I know you had a lot going on this year, so I, I couldn't get you on um, last season, but I figured you know, you would be the perfect guest to kick off season two. I mean, I'm kind of calling this season two, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess for those who don't really know uh, who you are or what you do, uh, do you want to take a couple minutes and just kind of tell the audience, you know, who you are? Um, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm Johanna. I live in London. I do um, a, a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a trained actor, so I, I, I act. Um, but last year I got completely obsessed with ancient history and I went to Egypt to research a movie script that I was writing. And then that kind of snowballed. I ended up making like nine vlogs, I think it was from my trip to Egypt. Um, and so now I'm like completely immersed in the ancient history mystery um, side of the web and, um, yeah, like that's kind of now my job, YouTube yeah. about ancient history. I love it. That's really cool. So you've only been in it for like a year or so. I, I could have sworn yeah. you've been in it for, for longer because like I've been looking into it, into this kind of stuff. Um, about the same time Jimmy from Bright Insight kind of popped up on YouTube with his like Atlantis stuff. 
Um, that's about the same time that I just started getting into like watching Brian Forrester and stuff. Um, and then, you know, I've been enthralled. So that's crazy. I, I thought you were in it for, for a longer time. Um, well, I, I was interested, actually, Jimmy's video was, oh, his Atlantis video. I came across that a little bit late, but that was the first video that kind of got me hooked. But I started like making, it was really in the first lockdown mm. that I had the time to um, actually sit and stop and reset. And then I found like Ben from Uncharted X channel yes. and watched all his videos. And um, and yeah, but it actually is because I realized that it's a year exactly since I got back from Egypt. So it's been a year since I've been kind of, actively making right but yeah a lot's happened in a year yeah a lot can happen I mean same for me you know like I had this big move and everything and it's like it's crazy I wouldn't have expected I'd be at this point a year ago um Mm. so as far as like the ancient technology stuff like what was what was the one thing that like you saw and you were like I have to talk about this like was there like a smoking gun for you Mm. um well it was, it was, um, I think it was, it was, an, it was a number of things that clicked into place. Mm-hmm. And when it looked so, cause so the first um, thing that I was interested in was the idea of Atlantis and the theory um, that Atlantis could um, uh, hypothetically actually be scientifically true. Um, cause that's when I became uh, aware of the Younger Dryas Comet Impact. And, um, and then it was alongside Ben's videos cause Ben from Uncharted, X does like the most amazing up close 4k videos of I agree you really feel like you've been to Egypt yeah um through Ben's videos and he was just documenting all of the like ancient saw marks and machinery marks and just um kind of really showing you why and breaking down why these machining marks are so amazing um and why they're so mysterious and when i realized that the um that the timeline from the younger Dryas comet impact when i realized that that aligned precisely with the date that plato and solon put for the destruction of atlantis when that aligned my brain went oh my god i think that there was actually a, an ancient civilization that we like i like i think it works um right. so once that kind of got that fine tingling moment um that was one of all convinced me. And then from then on, um, I can't, uh, yeah. Like it just makes sense in my brain. I was like, that makes total sense. Yeah. See. All, of the, all of the holes that appear in the modern day timeline of human history, all of the, the problems, um, like why are there these like high powered saw marks in granite or why are, why is there, why is the oldest stuff in Egypt the most precise? For me, in my brain, it makes total sense that it's actually, they're actually just like, um, leftovers or remnants of a previous civilization that was there that got that got destroyed in the younger Jurassic comet impact because if anybody doesn't know what that is it basically 9000 around 9500 bc um most of the world got destroyed by something like it was the it was an ice age and suddenly all the ice age stopped um you know either by a comet impact or some sort of solar flare that right right made basically a massive deluge on planet earth and most most things probably got destroyed yeah so um i mean that's like pretty much on the line of like defined science now exactly yeah you know like it's kind of the same thing for me like you know i kind of was like looking into this stuff kind of kind of casually not really like 
in on it. I was more of like an ancient aliens guy. And that's the big thing with ancient technology that that's most frustrating. I think when we're trying to make these arguments is that people are thinking that we're talking like alien technology or like, you know, they had like flying cars and like, you know, mermaid people or whatever. And like, that's yeah, not, I think, I don't think, um, I, I've watched ancient aliens as much as like a really fun, amazing, like kind of gimmicky show that is right. Um, it's actually, I think it's doing a disservice to yes. people who are actually trying to, um, hypothesize about ancient history being in a sort of cyclistic system. So I think, yeah, when you people go, Oh, they the alien who built the pyramids, aliens. I was like, Actually, I think it's probably ancient, you know, ancient civilizations or other human hybrids that we haven't discovered. We're discovering all different new kinds yeah. of um, human, human um, dragon cousins. man, you know, exactly. So I think that um, rather than going straight to aliens, I think it's much more interesting and plausible that there's there's just so much of human history that we are not aware of and was discovering. Exactly. When people are like, why are you so interested in ancient history? I was like because it's like our history and it's who we are yeah and also if we what we're talking about if what we're talking about is that human civilization isn't a linear line and human civilization works in cycles and things get destroyed um you know these comets are coming back on a regular basis then we should probably be looking up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, it's like, it doesn't hurt to look at, you know, what happened in the past and prepare, you know, just in case, you know, look and say, okay, yeah. this comet, this comet from the Younger Dryas did happen. Now let's prepare for it next time. You know, like that's, yeah, like that's what we need to do. Instead, these people are kind of hand waving, calling us, you know, pseudoscientists and, you know, fringe yeah. theorists and conspiracy theorists. And it's like, come on, man, that's the, the evidence is there. You're just choosing not to look at it. Um, I think that. Um, there's a lot of old gatekeepers that are still there right now from maybe Egypt or um, from just other places in the academic academic world. There's mm -hmm. a lot of gatekeepers who aren't, but they can't be around forever. And I think that more open-minded um, critical thinkers are coming onto the scene. And I think more and more people are kind of going, Hey, actually that does make, wait, we, we probably should look at the science of this. Cause yeah like behind all of the the sort of pseudoscience ancient aliens uh name tag that we get underneath it it's all actual science you're looking at geology you're yes. looking at uh carbon dating you're looking at linking um you know making common sense links out of imagery from different cultures like it's all kind of it's not i don't think it's very conspiracy at all like um, yeah. everything that i've heard about the the theory of ancient um atlantis it's completely plausible with like yeah. modern day geology. It, it, it's plausible. Um, not that there's like yeah. rock hard evidence of it, but it's not, it's not impossible. They've proven right. it's not impossible. Yeah. Um, with with that being, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, when you say the word Atlantis, like what you were saying about ancient aliens, that's Atlantis has also been tainted by yes. modern day kind of fiction. I actually looked up all of the movies that referenced what was set in Atlantis. And every single one of them were was complete science fiction. And they actually weren't based on what Plato's writings were at True. all. And they have like, you know, magic glowing crystals and flying cars and all the kind of like yeah. they're going towards like unicorns and stuff. Yeah. And that's not at all what Plato was just talking about a, a, a sea that was, you know, had agriculture and destructure and gods and 
very, very basic civilization, actually, Atlantis. It's not too far-fetched at all to think that there was a, a place. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And with that being said, where do you think Atlantis could have been? Um, so Atlantis is the Greek name for the capital city. Um, but the kingdoms that Atlantis was in, there was 10 of them. And I think they were over such a huge area of the world. So when you're talking about Atlantis, I'm talking about the civilization. I think it was in, I think it was largely in the slice of the world that goes from sort of Southern Spain, Northern Africa, down the West African coast, probably into the Mediterranean and then out off um, the Strait of Gibraltar into the, um, the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I think like that whole slice of pie of the world was probably where like the 10 kingdoms and who knows, they could have been even further out to the Americas yeah. or further up around. Um, definitely. So, but I think like the capital city was the, the name that people like some people don't even know that it was 10 kingdoms. That there were right. 10 kings. Yeah. I didn't know that until I started looking into it and like looking at Jimmy's videos and stuff. I was like, wow, yeah. really? Like I, I didn't know a lot of the things about Atlantis. That's that the story tells. It was crazy. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where the, Atl- I mean, I first I looked at the, at the, the rich up structure mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, there's a lots of stuff that points to that. Like there I've is. got to admit it to Jimmy. I think there is a lot, but then when I started looking into Randall Carlson's, um, Atlantis studies in in the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, with the Azores. Yep. I I think I'm swaying more towards the Azores, but who's to say that they didn't have multiple capital yeah. cities in these multiple kingdoms? And the rich the rich structure may have been one. And yeah. They also maybe one in the Azores. So. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I it could, I it actually could be both or neither. <laughs> Very yeah, I, I actually had um, Dr. Greg Little on and uh, he he has even attested that he was on Ancient Aliens and they actually like cut his words to say some really weird, crazy things. So he's vowed never to go on Ancient Aliens again because yes. of what they did to him. Um, so he said on my show, don't don't watch the show. Don't watch my episode. Um, yeah. But he's been studying Atlantis in um, the uh, Bahamas actually off the coast of Andros Island there's a place called Bimini Road and uh, we talked about this place that he's been researching for years there's actually a whole it's like a mile or two mile long cement road that is under the water and it's it's clear as day um, Greg Little says that there's en- engravings and writings there's sculptures that are found there and yet you know, academia is saying it's just a natural formation. We're not going to look at it anymore. And yet he's been spending 40 years deep diving here, finding new things every time he goes. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's not a fringe theory to think that there could have been some sort of civilization that just as lost was washed away. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned like the Rashad truck structure. Um, Cause that's right where, if the younger dry, well, when the younger dryest happened, that's right where the water was washing over is right in that general area, um, according yeah. to Randall Carlson. So the the impact zones for the comet, the 9,500 comet, uh, well, there, there was like, I think there's five, four, there's like up to four or five impact zones that right, Randall right. has kind of mapped out in the North American ice sheet. So the whole of North America was completely covered in ice, like two miles thick. And they found it, I think it's all around kind of like, going from Canada down d- downwards and um they've got these like 
kind of impact sites and you can literally see where the ice that was all over North America instantly melted, turned into a literal wall of a tsunami of like melted ice water. And it would have gone like, when I, I, I got to um, be in a group that got to um, be on a, a Zoom call with Randall Carlson and I, I asked very the question. Cool. Um, was very cool. Um, I got to ask, okay, from the Younger Drives Comet Impacts, like what would the fallout zone of that be? Um, and I mean, it's very hard to say, but North Africa definitely has the same kind of um, water damage yeah. across its surface, especially if you can even look at on Google Maps now, it's very easy. You can literally see with your own eyes, look at North America, like the Scablands and look at North Africa um, and West Africa. And it's the same. So I'm, you know, it's not completely far-fetched to say that the impact zone was like probably two thirds of the world. Um, exactly would have been destroying everything and as Graham <laughs> Hancock says everybody lives everybody lives near the water or you live um on the coast because that's where the rivers meet the sea and that's where right. you would have um ports to you know travel around and exchange goods and and so or anyone that lived not up in the mountain area um you know you're gone yeah your house is gone your family yeah. everything's gone right everything's and then the gone. argument is that those <laughs> those people passed down you know the people that did survive that impact passed down that knowledge to you know what we know of today and you know people it's my biggest smoking gun for me is when i started looking at the sphinx in egypt um mm -hmm. that's what just absolutely blew my mind is when i looked at the water erosion that's all over the sphinx it's like the yeah. number one thing for me i can't shut up about it um, and it's just crazy that it, the evidence is like right there in front of your face and you have, you know, people like Dr. Robert Schock attesting to his, you know, he was a total skeptic before he even went to Egypt and, mm -hmm. and saw the Sphinx. And then he said within minutes of looking at it, he knew for a fact it was at least 9,000 years old. And it's like how, and he, he shows this evidence and he gets laughed out of, you know, this, this conference that he presents his evidence at. And it's, it's sad, you know, because it's, yeah. But I think that's going to just make uh, the story of how this is all going to come to light. I think that's going to make the story even better that the fact that these guys were laughed at, but they were the first original whistleblowers to the yeah, whole thing. And I 100%. think that people who more and more people now, thousands of people are joining um, the kind of the idea of, of the change of the timeline of human history. More and more people are getting into it and agreeing with it, but they yeah. were like the, the OGs um who had to face the most stick and they had the most to put on the line so yeah i'm really grateful to those guys yeah and i've seen i, I mean i i'm not a geologist but um uh just going up and i've seen the sphinx enclosure with my own eyes and yeah the, the erosion there is heavy it's like stick your arm through the gaps in the rock like it's been yeah. eroded um crazy and it's unlike anything else anything else that's on the Giza plateau so um it's like th this stuff if it was just wind erosion like they're trying to make it out it is then surely everything else that was in the same timeline as the sphinx would be wind eroded but like it's not it's just not all the temple um the temples that are built all around it are supposedly at the same time just don't yeah. have that erosion on so, exactly hmm. um and also the fact that um that when they i think Robert Schock and Anne Jonathan West, they did a um, a presentation. There was like 200 geologists in the audience and they showed a picture of the Sphinx 
um, the body. They cover, they put tape over the, the head. Yeah, right, so they couldn't right. tell what it was. They just saw the rock and then they were like, in your professional opinion, is this um, water erosion or is this well, like wind erosion? And um, there was, it was something like, you know, the largest percentage of them were like, yeah, that's, in my professional opinion, that's water erosion. And when they were pulled the tape off and revealed what it was, like so many just retracted what they said which mm -hmm. is such a shame because i was like wait your professional opinion when it was just when you didn't know the context the political context of what it was man but more exactly. and more people are joining him which is really cool like more and more geologists are getting brave enough to put their name on the line and i think that when you, it's just there's safety in numbers isn't it so when you get enough people to say actually geology and science says that the sphinx enclosure and the sphinx the original body definitely 10,000 years old at least then yep. um it's yeah 100% yeah I totally agree alive when that happens <laughs> right Be like I told you so <laughs> right slap in their face yeah I mean that's kind of that's the whole point of why I made this show because you know everyone was thinking I was the crazy guy talking about this stuff on social media and so I was like you know what I can't elaborate what I'm trying to say enough on through typing stuff so I'm just going to talk about it and into a microphone yeah. and you guys are going to listen to it. And that's, that's why we're here. So I'm trying to spread the word as much as I can, uh, you know, and get people to open their eyes a little bit and be a little bit more um, open to the evidence. Um, but yeah. With, and also we're like, we're probably going to be getting loads of theories wrong, but that's okay. Like, yeah. I, I think that um, people can have crazy theories that are wrong, but I think that if you're not allowed to question anything to do with like the timeline of human history um i mean we're gonna you're gonna you're gonna miss so such yeah. thing i think future generations are really gonna think like oh, what idiots were those people in totally 1998 doing like what were they doing um it's very clearly um the wrong they got the wrong dates from right and yeah i think that yeah. not every we're not gonna get right but that's okay i mean i'm not someone could probably yeah. like throw out 20 completely wrong theories but in their wild thinking they might just tap into the one like chunk of the puzzle that's missing right and we're like oh my god yeah yeah definitely um, and with with all that being said too um i saw fairly recently you got special access to stonehenge what what yeah what was that like i mean that that's crazy. i did watch your stuff on it um and i was enthralled with it it's interesting um yeah i'd actually never been to stonehenge i've grown up um driving really? past it loads huh. and loads um but but it's, it's actually quite like far away in the country and um so we've driven past it when we were on when we were driving up and down england but um i've never gone in and gone up close um so i present as like part of my like one of my side jobs i present for english heritage their tiktok account so they yeah um, okay yeah i want to get those. more history onto the social media so i present for them and they said oh do you want to cover sort of the solstice up at stonehenge i was like absolutely yeah. um and i kind of said hey do can i just like quickly film something for myself and they were like yeah sure we've got 20 minutes so I had about 20 minutes to run around Stonehenge completely or I had to get up at 5 a.m because we had to get there before all the crowds did so I drove we got there 7 a.m in the morning we filmed the stuff for the the English Heritage TikTok and then I got 20 minutes and but there was a security guard watching it all the time yeah so it, it's heavily guarded <laughs> that place but um but, oh my goodness like from seeing it from afar or seeing pictures of it it did not look as epic and as amazing as it is up close. Um, and it felt like, I thought I was expecting maybe it was going to feel a bit like dark rituals. Like I was like, oh, maybe they mm -hmm. were like sacrificed here. But it didn't. It just felt like super 
beautiful and light and um and, and I was just in awe of these old stones and it felt like it was way 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 older than Egypt stuff because the the weather in England is so wet and soggy that yeah. the stones have eroded so much whereas the stuff in Egypt has stayed pretty intact for thousands of years because it's so yeah, dry right right so um it like it felt like a new old old I can I can see why um people used to talk about like um the wizards and merlin and have that that whole kind of king arthur mythology to it um, right it does seem just like so old I means uh, older than that's so interesting arthur, technically but um <laughs> but it's very magical place but i mean england doesn't have that much old yeah megalithic stuff like like Egypt does, but yeah. it was really cool. Yeah, and I mean, well, also in England, as I saw that you also do, um, you do these like castle tours too. You've been like, uh, you know, doing these like little tours of castles and giving like little blips of, of like the history of these cool so, castles all around. That's yeah, super that, those, cool. It's really interesting those castles, stuff. That's English heritage again. So when I'm, when I'm, they invite me to go down to, to film those little videos, they're the, they're the videos for the English heritage. Love it. So English heritage has Dover Castle, which is what, um, Henry VIII built that, or he lived there. I'm not sure if he built it. No, he lived there. It was built way earlier. One than of that. those. <laughs> it was very, it was way earlier than Henry VIII. Sorry, he, he Henry VIII built um Deal Castle and some of the ones around it, but he definitely lived at um at Stover Castle, and it's pretty epic. Like I forget because I live, I grew up in England, and we have we have castles. There's a lot of castles in England, mm. and I forget that other countries like in america you don't have castles that's yeah. something that's part of your history um, it's crazy like i look at your videos and i'm like i am so jealous i was like i can't just like go down the street and like see a castle like i might find a lighthouse if i drive a couple hundred miles north but that's about all i got and i mean i guess i'm, I'm pretty close to serpent mound which is cool i still haven't gone and seen serpent oh, okay. mound Amazing. um so at yeah. some point <laughs> make a trip there um, you, you have equally cool stuff as well like yeah serpent mounds you have like scab lands and yeah and yeah true. and more and more history from from america is being dug up i mean they they used to think that humans didn't even live there past like yeah thirteen thousand years ago it turns out just found footprints from twenty five thousand years ago and that's only gonna get older, yeah so. true and that's that's also going back to one of my previous guests uh dr greg little he's done a lot of studying on uh, the mounds that are all through america like he went to serpent mountain there's apparently other like weird native mounds that are like little huts kind of built underground and mm -hmm. uh they're they're basically all over america there's thousands of them and uh, dr greg little has a ton of evidence in his book called mounds where he uh you know just presents as evidence that these mounds are thousands of years older than we originally thought and once again mm -hmm. he gets laughed at and called a fringe theorist um very weird I think stuff. If I was going to take a stab at something, I think that a lot of what we, anything super ancient um, that wasn't like officially recorded, like we don't know exactly when, like, so for example, they don't know exactly when the pyramids were made. Right. My stab would be that they were older than what we predicted. Anything that like a, a particular castle where it's in written history that it was built on a certain date, mm -hmm. cool. But a lot of the old ancient um, statues, monuments, mounds, um, tunnel systems, underground cities, I would take a stab at there a lot older than very interesting yeah definitely um another thing too is i i had no idea about this until i saw one of your videos it's the carvings on the back of the moai on easter island 
I had no idea about that until I watched your video. Like what, why have we never been told about this? The the Moai statues, um, yeah, I'd only ever seen them from the front. And and they are way more interesting on the back. Like obviously they're super interesting, but they, they all look pretty much the same from the front, but the back of them are intricately carved with so much symbology. And I think they are like differently carved as well. Like different dudes yeah. have different back tattoos. And um, and what's amazing is that uh, because they're like, made, a lot of them are just heads sticking out of the ground. A lot of the backs are really preserved because they've just been underground for right. however long they've been underground. And um, those, the, those heads are another thing where I think they might possibly be older. Uh, oh yeah we think we do i i like we think we do when they think they are sorry jet lag head (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah that that's i i have a an itching feeling that the moai statues could be older than yeah i mean i i agree because it's like you look at the the engravings on the back of the moai statues and then you look at great engravings at places like gobekli tepe Mm -hmm. and they are nearly identical in style um they have such similarities to the point where you're like it's like if you were in art class and somebody didn't they if you bought the Gobekli Tepe art and the Easter Island art on the stone if you bought them if you did were doing that in an art class I think mm-hmm. the teacher would bring those students in and be like look someone's copied someone because right this is not original work like you're you're working together like it was it's just too close the symbology is just, and, and the style of some of the stuff is just way too close yeah. Um, considering that um, the 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 academic or the you know, the mainstream historical viewpoint is that nobody in the ancient world was traveling globally, that there were, everybody was just where they were. There was no ancient global travel according to current written history, but that doesn't make sense, right? Um, especially as well um, because there was some links with Egypt and Australia, random. Um, but there are boomerangs that are found mm. in Australia and also in Egypt. Mm, and, interesting. And the name for the boomerangs, you can see them in the Cairo Museum, and the name for the boomerang in Egyptian translates as foreigner's weapon. So they're even huh. referencing this thing as not coming from Egypt, and then they are found, obviously, in the Aboriginal mm. uh, Australia. So that makes me think, like, okay, somebody in Egypt had been to Australia and had traded and had got a foreigner's weapon. hundred um, percent. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I actually just started looking into their, their, in the, in the Grand Canyon and, um, you know, in the United States, there's actually been Egyptian artifacts found inside the Grand Canyon. Um, and they actually date back to the, uh, to the old kingdom. And there's straight up busts of King Akhenaten and Queen Nefertiti that are mm. complete gold that were found inside the Grand Canyon. So it's like, how did those sculptures get from Egypt to America? You know, obviously someone is sailing. Someone, yeah, but the the, um, the thing with that is potentially um someone could have brought them over because do you know that like um the the egyptian artifacts ancient artifacts are like one of the biggest black markets in the world so there is a possibility that somebody in the victorian times could have purchased illegally a bunch of mummies and a bunch of busts 
and then eventually um place them in like like that's possible whereas yeah, the boomerang true. thing the boomerang was found in like egyptian graves from right dated, like time sealed from that time whereas yeah um i mean there's that, that is where we get a conspiracy territory because there's a lot yeah. of stuff in america that's, fair. that's found that's like this the smithsonian apparently has like a secret chain like a secret vault that kind of is hmm. the same as the vatican it's got all the world's secret stuff in huh. but anything anything in the world weird. that's been weird that the smithsonian have um um but there is some but, but there is some stuff that like i think that as even if it's a conspiracy theory the essence of the story or something about it there, there must be always one part of it that rings true like no smoke without fire i do think that there's always something like there might there might be an element or a variation of the conspiracy theory that right. could ring true yeah. um but you know but then or, or if if travel was entirely possible they would realize there was global travel then yes it is possible that some egyptian yeah. stuff made it over to america that is very true that time period like if they made it over to a, to australia they could definitely make it over to america right yeah that is true um another thing too it says um my last episode that i did before this one here that that'll be coming out is uh, one that I did on the schist disc. Um, and I saw mm-hmm. you actually did a video on the schist disc. Yes. Um, so speaking of things encased in time, I mean, what the heck do you think the schist disc is? Um, well, when I went to Egypt and saw it, it's literally just in a cabinet at the back of the Cairo museum. It looks really weird. Um, it looks like someone's taken a piece of, some sort of Victorian machinery and just put it in a museum. But actually, when you look at it, it's made of stone. It's carved stone. It's not pottery. It's carved mm-hmm. stone. And it's like, it's, it just, it looks like something from some sort of sci-fi. Yeah. It looks like part of a machine. And so um, our tour guide, who, when I went around, um, Egypt, I went to Egypt with um, Jimmy from Brightonsight and Ben from Uncharted X, and we had a tour guide um, uh, called Youssef, who he's, he is the mm-hmm. son of one of the oldest wisdom keepers that Egypt has. And um, his dad, like they have a tradition, the indigenous people of Egypt have their own traditions and they have an entirely different historical timeline of Egypt really? than, than the mainstream. Yeah, mm. um, entirely different. So they have their own um, sort of ages of what happened. Um, the, the timeline that we have of ancient Egypt is what the French and the British decided it was around 1800 when they first went to Egypt and started Egyptology. They decided to guess um, what the history of Egypt was. And so they decided on the timelines for, for all the kings and everything. Whereas the indigenous people, the Comitian people, because um, it was originally called Kemet before it was called Egypt. And um, they, ha- yeah, like they have their own timeline. They, they have a, a oral tradition of the Sphinx, like the rock of the Sphinx um, being respected and um, people going to it from 50,000 years ago. Mm. And then they have, it, it was carved out later into a lion. And then only later in the um, Egyptian time did they mm. whittle the head down to a pharaoh. Um, so the head um, was carved much, much later. So that's the that's the oral tradition that the yeah. indigenous people of Egypt. Very have. interesting. Um, they have their own, they had their own timelines for the kings and things, and they they believe that um, a lot of Egypt was started a lot earlier 
than what the British and the French say. They say that the first kingdom was whatever was around 3000 BC. They think it was more, it could be pushed back to as much as 7000 BC. They think that the first kingdoms were just like if you get, take the, the kingdoms of Egypt and stretch it out a lot, a lot, lot, right. lot wider, um, that's more aligning to what their old traditions say. Um, so huh. Yusuf, who was with us, he was, I was picking his brains about everything about his dad. I was like, what's your dad? What's your dad say about <laughs> schist disc? And he said, well, the only thing my dad really ever told me about it was that they made a replica of it in the, I want to say the 70s. And they, um, they did some tests and they did loads of like experiments on this and they blew, um, what did they, I think it was water or was it air? Um, no, but I think, pretty sure it was water, no. They, they spun it mm -hmm. and, right. um, and it was something to do with, it was either water or air, but anyway, they said that it creates, no, no, it wasn't water. They spun it with, um, with air but that's it they threw water at it while it was spinning right and right. the shape it's got a very unusual design hasn't it it kind of looks like a like a steering wheel but it's got like some curved um it looks almost like a curved lily inside but when it, yeah. anyway, when you rotate this um spinning wheel they threw it um they threw water at it and it created like um an infinity symbol um which which could hold um like zero gravity so um yeah so he said according to his dad that they think it was part of like an a, like a, um, a zero gravity device an anti-gravity device um, yeah i mean which i, I think uh, that's that's an interesting theory um i i feel sound, like sorry there we go they put sound through it there we sound are. okay that's that is sound cool. so that was it was vibrational sound and they right. spun it and then when they threw they were throwing they said that they were throwing objects they were throwing water and the water was being held in what was kind of like an infinity symbol yeah um so it created some sort of energy force that was um i mean it, it sounds really sci-fi and it sounds like oh, i'm not sure about that but when you actually look at um the science of sound and vibrational things we're doing some really cool things with it. You can that now is true. starting to like cure cancer cells with vibrations and sonic, like yeah, um, some crazy stuff. So science um, is crazy. <laughs> so I think science, yeah, science is starting to look into like you know vibrational sequencing and see. And if you can cure cells with it, um, I'm sure that I think that sound affects quantum physics in ways that we even don't we don't even understand. So. Yeah. It's kind of far fetched. I don't know, um, yeah. but that's what I was told. So when people yeah. say, "What's I mean, the I, I feel I'm like, like, well, apparently it's part of a machine that makes anti gravity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Um, like I, I like that theory. I feel like at this point, I feel like at this point we'd be able to make an, another, pro arguably better replica of the schist disc, and just do this test again. Um, I mean, when I go know, back to Egypt, I'm hundred percent. I'm gonna lidar if I can. I want. I want to like scan it, like lidar three. Yeah, that'd I don't be know interesting. If I'll be able to through the glass. Um, hmm. oh, but if anybody, if I, if anybody gets to Egypt and they can see the schist disc, if it's ever open, just because you can, you can lidar scan now on on an iPhone. Um, yeah, it is an app you can get, cool. and um, you can scan it, and then yeah, if somebody could three D print that, I'm not sure how expensive that would be, 
right you can definitely test that but then again i mean it might change you've got to find the right sound frequency yeah yeah it's very important but um, on the trial and error but yeah like but, that would be amazing if someone could actually prove that the um that the schist disc had was had a function i mean the, yeah i think according to the mainstream it's like um it's something to do with like it's a, it's a fruit plate or a... no, like shifting <laughs> rice or someone someone was like oh that's for it's like it's like a corn or a grain yeah um thing and i was like it's definitely not yeah, it's no got way. a hole in the middle which it, it looks like a it literally like a bicycle wheel where there's like a hole in the middle where it definitely attaches onto something like a wheel for a ship or like a, a steering wheel you know yeah it looks like a steering um, wheel or a bicycle wheel and the way that it's shaped is such an unusual shape yeah it's and it's not ergonomic. symmetrical either it's actually yeah. slightly off and asymmetrical so it's very it's uh, aerodynamic as it's as if it's a moving part of something yeah the the best argument i heard for an like a i guess a not so fringe theory for the schist disc is that it was used to twine rope and silk um but at the at the same time it's i would love for someone to demonstrate that you know i feel like that's also something that'd be pretty easy to demonstrate yeah Um, okay cool yeah show me that braid right right show me how it works and why would you need I also think that stone is a very important part of all the, yeah. the frequency. Like if, if it's part of the riddle, stone was picked very deliberately in Egypt. Um, the quality of the granite or the diorite, it was it was brought from hundreds of miles away, dragged in like massive blocks. And I think that they have a function. They have a they have a specific quartz or a hardness to them. I think that the reason why it was made out of that and not out of wood was very important. Whereas if you if it was for twisting rope or something, then yeah. you just need the shape of it. You doesn't you don't need it to be made of a specific material. It could be carved out of wood, which would be ten million times easier than carving it out of stone. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the only thing that I'm thinking about. If it was a if it was for braiding. I mean, show me, you know, show me there's something it could be. Yeah, it could be made out of a much easier thing to carve than the stone that that's carved because that's incredibly hard stone to carve. Yeah. But then so therefore it, they must have done it for a reason. It was a functional reason that they, they picked that exact stone. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the schist disc is so if I ever get the chance to get to the Cairo Museum, it's the first thing I'm darting for as soon as I get in there is I'm going to go look at the schist disc and I'm going to do the LiDAR thing because I didn't know there was like an app for that that you could do. So yes, yeah, so if I'm you've like, got the iPhone 12 Pro or higher, um, then you, the one with the three, the three cameras on, right. um, you can just download a free app. Um, and because I, I LiDAR scanned some of the um, stones from Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only had limited time to like film yeah. it, so I only got like two done. But um, it gives you a really great 3D image rendering. Um, so I'm, I'm very cool. that you'd be able to make, you could possibly print something in 3D, I'm guessing, yeah. if you've got a rendering of it. So um, yeah, that would be a great thing. That would I be... don't know if you can LiDAR scan through glass, someone's going to be like, no, you can't. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to see who I can become friends with so that I can right. that case make some connections yeah <laughs> um so something else on your channel that i saw you kind of started recently doing is you kind of started delving into religion a little bit i saw you had dr bar Ehrman on your show which i've read yes. a couple of his books i'm a big fan of him um pretty jealous that you had him on and i even saw that you were on the gnostic informant podcast too um so why the interest in religion 
Um, I've always been interested. I grew up in a uh, a Christian family, so I like I know I know a lot of the Bible stuff just from my past. Um, but also how ancient texts, like ancient religious texts, it fits in with ancient civilization. Like they go together like wine and cheese. Yeah. Like um, because the ancient civilizations were heavily religious and, re- and religious stories. I think um, once I realized that um, religious stories get repeated and they get retold like amongst different you've got the oral traditions of history and the oral traditions of religion it's all very similar so i'm fascinated in that as well yeah Um, i think it all ties in so you've got um themes uh, themes in 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 the bible like i mean the biggest one is like noah's ark right being almost a direct copy of the epic of gilgamesh Mm -hmm. you've got um the story of Moses, which was found, it was in a Sumer, it was a Sumerian story before it was yeah. um, uh, a Christian story, a Jewish story. Um, so yeah, when I realised that, oh okay, there's themes here, like, um, and that and I'm interested in, and again, that no smoke without fire. That story, people don't rarely invent just a complete story from yeah, exactly right from experience. And so I often think like, oh, who were the who were the real people? that the Egyptian gods were based off. Yeah. Somebody would have had found, something would have inspired the imagery, the name. I think that there probably was a person called uh, Thoth who was a writer and he then got encapsulated into this God who wrote all the histories of Egypt down. Um, Right. Probably a dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree. And it's Um, like even look at like the Greek mythologies and other, you know, they all have some sort of either like flood story or there is like a a cosmic serpent uh that you know was shooting fire down and there was battles between gods and these firing or these fire serpents coming towards the earth. And it's like all these civilizations have the same story. I'm interested in the patterns. I'm not, I like to look for patterns. So where I look for, I look all around the world at the symbology of all the civilizations, the ancient civilizations, and you can link them between like Easter Island and Egypt and, and Turkey. Um, it's the same with the Bible, I guess. I like to look at the patterns and the stories. And I it also so much, particularly in the Western world, Christianity is massively impacted. Like our entire date system is based off the bible and jesus right. and you know we have like we literally do our whole time from when jesus was born before and after um and i've loved like how society has been formed um is actually like mapped out you know how the how religion was formed like it's all kind of connected so i'm really excited to see like like you know how were religions made how did they grow how did they change i'm i'm super interested in yeah that. i'm kind of the same way you know i like to know why people think you know what what in this book you know convinced you that this, the god is real just from reading this book you know i honestly am curious yeah. you know what is your thought process opposed to mine because you know obviously i'm atheist um and you know i i just don't see it in that light you know i read it and to me it's just a story for me um I'm- I'm not atheist because I, I, I see too much. I guess I see too much of some. There's something. I I don't think it's all random. Like the um, the idea of of us all just completely randomly being. I just definitely think there's a soul. Like as much as we can study people scientifically, 
two identical DNA people who are twins are entirely different. You, they've got souls. And, and one person will just never, ever, a fingerprint will never be like anybody else in the entire world. I think that's so rare. I do think that there is a design element. I don't know what I just think. And, and the fact that um, when you look into like psychedelics and all of the ancients, they were like, if you want to know the universe, if you want to know God, it's all about psychedelics. And it's, I find it really interesting that most majority of people who try, um, uh, you know, psychedelic drugs, ayahuasca, they all have very similar, what could be aligned with like spiritual religious experiences where they, they feel like mm -hmm. part of the world and the universe and they feel something higher than them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like so I've, I, I think that's one thing. I, I myself, like I've never done any psychedelics, but um not saying I'm opposed to it. Um, but it's it, it, interesting if you did, it'd be interesting to see what you're right. I would be very interested, be. you know. Um, I can tell I can tell you right now it wouldn't be anything to convince me of any like afterlife or God, because for me it's it's you're you're taking a drug, you know, it's it's altering your mind. Um, it's, it's a mind altering drug. So that's, or that's quite literally what it's supposed to do. Or um, you're accessing something like, or am I accessing something true? Yeah. There's, there's, uh, it's interesting with Egypt, every single temple, just again and again and again, it's the same imagery that they wanted to carve. They thought it was so important that they wanted to carve down this message again and again and again. And they said that the three like keys that you need was, um, sound like vibrational sound mm -hmm. frequencies is tuning forks and sound imagery everywhere so it's like sound and vibrations advanced maths mathematics and um like um blue lotus which is like their L like lsd drug like yeah like right. ayahuasca and so they were like if you want to that's the three keys to their civilization to humanity to the world and everything it's um advanced maths <laughs> sound and frequency and um and blue lotus and i think that's that's how they were like getting enlightened and um it's just interesting it's interesting it, it definitely is interesting yeah and i don't have advanced maths i'm really rubbish at maths um, <laughs> right sorry my <laughs> let's say hi um <laughs> but yeah really interesting that was the image that they just repeated again and again all different sites all over egypt all the temple walls it was all to do with um with that and i was like i think there's something in it there's something to do with uh, i think i think the ancients had possibly different uh levels of awareness than than we do now mm -hmm. i think that's a possibility they yeah. were possibly more open to things in the more aware and at one with the universe and things exactly and um, that's kind of where the, the argument of lost technology maybe they had a different way of thinking and inventing things and doing mathematics i don't know maybe they had some different method of you know construction obviously and they it's just lost in time you know maybe ayahuasca is how they developed you know these tools that are lost yeah. you know who knows i think a lot of um a lot of things like we have tiny little like vague ripples of it now like um uh like astral projection or lucid dreaming mm -hmm. or um that weird thing where you're thinking of somebody or you have just have a feeling you're like oh my goodness i need to check on this person and then you call them or they call you and you're like that's so weird i'm just <laughs> right, thinking right. about you and we we pass it off every single time as oh my god that's so weird but what if that's actually just a little remnant a little like 
ripple of what we the, the way we used to be able to communicate i mean we don't think it's that weird i'm talking to you you're on another side of the world mm -hmm. just because right. we're doing it through a machine it makes it we're like oh but what if we had the capacity to connect with each other yeah yeah that'd be the machines right what if, what if i think i have a feeling that we're just replicating old old tech <laughs> with machines now um that's very like true information sharing wi-fi connecting telephones um we're just replicating electronically what could be done i mean i mean um they've proved that electricity can be um you can have wireless electricity yeah Tesla right that. and Tesla. i think that it's very possible that he rediscovered that rather than invented it completely yeah um if if the the earth has the capacity to charge electricity and you can wirelessly throw it around exactly and it's like i mean you look at like places you know, like, uh, like Puma Punku that has like the magnetic H blocks that aren't supposed to be magnetic, but they are. And um, like the, what is it? It's the, the Baghdad battery, you know, you can make literally yes. a, an electric battery out of literally nothing. Um, and it's, so there is something, there's some sort of hidden meaning. And there definitely needs to be more testing done with like astral projection and lucid dreaming. I do feel like there needs to be far more vigorous testing on it i feel like it does kind of get passed off as woo right off the bat does, i do i do agree with that it now, um but, but i feel like yeah. we need to focus more on trying to find a way to test these things um but yeah. until then for myself i i can't you know i i don't believe it simply because of lack of evidence but if if we test these things and the evidence comes forward i 100 percent will get behind it um, I just myself personally ha haven't seen sufficient evidence for, yeah. for, well, lucid dreaming is one thing because I've personally done that. So like, yeah. uh, so I know I can lucid dream, you know, I, I used echo. to be able to, but that's an echo. Lucid dreaming, I think is like an echo of, of different, of, you know, archaic functions of our brain that we could use to access and things like, right. In the same way of like that. Yeah. Um, um. But, but yeah, there was a um, there was a, a police force. I think uh, I remember reading about it, and in they did they did this. They wanted to see if they could help find missing people um, mm. in like murder cases. Yeah, and yeah. They brought they brought in people to try and see and visualize, and they did it. They did a whole data report on what's it called? Is it called EPM? No, it's like um, it's actually got like a sciencey name is when you're when you try and see things that you, you can't see and the, the results of it, it it actually went on for years and the results of it was quite amazing they didn't obviously get everything every time but they said that some people do have you, you they were getting weirdly close on some stuff mm -hmm. um finding where bodies were and finding um where people had been and people would see like maybe specific um places or monuments and they would it would it's interesting it, yeah imagine if we could tap in if we had the, this archaic ability to like project and be able to see yeah i i totally agree because i mean when things like uh like dr robert shock's been saying for years you know solar flares happen more often than meteors so you know it's more so we're kind of overdue for a solar flare and if something like that happens we're not going to have technology to communicate so we need to start learning to I know. We talk to, to each like, other through our minds our... i guess um, exactly because <laughs> it's going to be a problem I mean, if if something like that happens or like you know another younger dryas or 
Yellowstone National Park ends up blowing up and vaporizing all of us, you know, probably you, should you, work on it. Yeah. If you don't use it, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Like it, it has to be a muscle or a tool or a brain thing that you, that, like even in, in like the, the last 20 years, anyone, did they say anyone who's 33, what, well, this was a while ago. They said anyone who's 33 or younger literally has a different hand bone like like muscle wise hmm. than anybody who hasn't been brought up with cell phones and texting. interesting because they said that so the the rate that you can move this thumb your left or whichever one you use right and i tested it on like my parents and my any older people that i know they literally cannot bend their thumb at the speed that we do oh. we have like a different dexterity to interesting our purely because of cell phones and that was only at that had only come about that like evolutionary tweak had come about in like less than 20 years yeah i mean that makes sense yeah can you imagine the tools and the skills that we would have if you needed them like yeah back in the day how would you contact people you would be connected to people um i don't i think our bodies can sync up in ways like i'm really baffled about how girls periods can sync up yeah. Just by girls that you become close with. You right. You sync up your, like, your bodily cycles. How? How? How do it's, you it's happen? Like, some what, weird stuff. You meet someone, move in with a, with a girlfriend, and your bodies sync up. Like, so I think that, yeah, it's not the farthest stretch of the imagination that we could, like, connect and sync and stay connected to people um, that you can, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, not the weirdest thing in the world a twin i think twins you know twins oh, have yeah. that weird twins are weird that, i love people, i love and, and it's accepted yeah. and it's like studied way more than when than than um non-twin people but like twins have like a kind of telepathic communication yeah and i think that they again maybe maybe just have like the strongest remnants of the ancient communication yeah, skills definitely so that means if you're twins and you're listening then that means you need to come on the show and talk to me because I want to know, I want to know about your, yes. your psychic twin abilities. Like, yeah, honestly, it's a, it's <laughs> I'm honestly, honestly curious. Yeah. It's a, it's a total thing. And, um, but for some reason, maybe it's just studied more in twins and rather than like, you know, random, random people, but, um, yeah, yeah the psychology yeah. of it. I don't know. Very interesting stuff. All right. There's, well, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing well, else there. Johanna, I had an awesome time talking to you we went over a buttload of stuff and i'm sure the audience is on information overload so we probably should cut it cut it now so that we don't kill the audience uh, (laughs) yeah they they have plenty that they can look into um you know until maybe next time you can be on and we can talk about some more stuff um, but before we go, um, why don't you go ahead and, and plug yourself? Where can people find you um, or, you know, your comedy, what you do, everything. Go ahead and plug yourself. Um, yes. Yeah, so I um Johanna James on YouTube, Johanna James on Instagram. Um, I think I'm going to um, set up a new Instagram account purely for the ancient history mystery stuff because um for mm-hmm. the last five years i've been like a comic on instagram i've been making skit comedy yeah um, with loads of silly characters and that's kind of been my day job for five years before i um did this stuff and i think a lot of people get a bit confused because they find me in one side of the internet <laughs> right. and they follow me to the other and then they're like what what's she doing dressing up as this old lady um i mean it's funny stuff i mean, I mean who cares? yeah I, I think it's confusing people so i think um but for the minute i'm just johanna james everywhere 
Very cool. Awesome. Well, Johanna James, thank you so much for coming on the show. I will definitely keep in touch with you and uh, we can maybe try to set up something else in the near future. And let's practice some of our telepathy. You just send me some messages and we'll, got we'll it. I'm, touch base in like two weeks and we'll see if anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm sending you mental messages. Are you getting them? <laughs> All right. Thanks, Johanna. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.